Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how to episode, we will look at how to include Jesus in your reading, meditating, and comprehending the Bible so God can make it applicable to your everyday life. I was given the assignment to preach a sermon on this topic with the challenge to show you how to love spending the time in the Word of God. The assignment was clarified by the stipulation that it could not be some religious or legalistic kind of thing in the Word, no set of must-dos that had to be foisted on a person to make them have to do it. It sounds like a difficult challenge, but it's actually very easy. The Lord revealed that all I had to do is show you how one four-letter word can completely change your experience, your attitude, and your understanding of the scripture and lead you into a transformed, high, fruit-bearing life. The simple word is with. Understand the difference between reading the word or doing anything for God or for ticking off a box of shoulds, or for taking pride in yourself for doing it, or for any other for reason, does not move the heart of God and does not gain you the truth. But reading the word with God will change your life. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. The word with is a how word. It's a method, a way. But before we dive into the how, let's make sure that reading the word with God is actually what we're supposed to do. Let's get at the why should I read the word with God. So let's begin with understanding truth. Let's start with what truth is not. Truth is not a thing to know, but a person to know. Jesus is the truth. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Since Jesus is the truth, it makes sense that you can't find truth in worldly knowledge. It is not changeable or fashionable. It does not conform with cultural trends. Jesus is not selfish or loveless, so everything true will be consistent with his nature and character. Jesus explains this himself as he challenged the Pharisees who misunderstood the truth. John 8, 42 to 44 said, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, but he's not, you would love and recognize me, for I came from God out of his very presence and have arrived here, for I have not even come on my own initiative, self-appointed, but he, he's the one who sent me. Why do you misunderstand what I'm saying? It's because your spiritual ears are deaf and you are unable to hear the truth of my word. So we learn here that we need to hear with our spiritual ears. We'll get back to that in a little bit as well. But now let's switch to what truth actually is. Jesus is the truth, but he's also the word. Every word in the Bible was God-breathed and is true. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, 
both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. The word is perfectly righteous, endures forever, is motivated by love, and is unchanging. So every word in the Bible is intentional, has a clear purpose, and is energized by God's empowering presence. Understanding the truth for your life is tied to God's kingdom purpose and your role in it. So understanding the word is personal to you. This makes the word kind of important. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. Here the word is speaking of the Holy Spirit that all born-again believers have in their hearts. It is his job to help you understand the word and guide you in living out the truth. The word of God is the living and active word of truth when you allow the person of the truth to interpret it. The truth prepares, empowers, and equips you to be transformed into your Christ identity. That is the ideal you that is transformed by the Holy Spirit into his likeness. Your God refined, created an ideal you. The Holy Spirit, with the fullness of God's nature, character, mind, and will, and emotion, increases your wisdom and discernment of the truth when you abide with him. There's that word with again. Your cooperation with the truth aligns you with God and powerfully sets you free from bondages. The truth shows you the way to salvation and gives you the tools and guidance to partner with God for your fruit-bearing destiny. So even the ability to do things with God comes from God and is given to you. So I hope you have seen now that reading the word with God is not just a good idea, it's a command from God. I learned that there are over 33,000 denominations of Christianity in the world. This is because people are trying to understand the word with their natural minds, and they divide over their own interpretations of what they think it means. But the word was intended to be interpreted by your Spirit receiving wisdom from the Holy Spirit to know what he meant when he wrote it. The real issue is that people know about the word, but they don't know the word. Let's talk about the difference between knowing about and knowing. Titus 1.16a says, They claim to know God, but their actions deny him. I asked the Lord to show me the difference between someone who thinks they know him and someone who really knows him. And this is what Jesus said. The difference between one who knows about me and one who knows me intimately. Let me show you what I mean. Jesus showed me a man in the desert. 
He had chapped lips and a distressed look on his face. He was frantically looking and thought he saw water. But as he kept walking, he realized that it was only a mirage. There was no real water, only something that looked like water. Jesus explained the vision. It's good to know what water looks like. It's better to be able to drink some when you're thirsty. To learn about me is like showing a hungry or thirsty man a picture of a magnificent banquet, but there's nothing to eat or drink. Seeing the picture may bring some benefits, but he is left ultimately unsatisfied. The actual need is unfulfilled. This is what it's like to learn only about me at a distance. The spiritual need to know me is even stronger than a man's need for physical water. A mirage is an illusion, a trick of the eye, caused by light refraction and heat waves. Knowing only about me is a trick too, but it doesn't fool the soul. The soul knows its need for the one true God. To truly satisfy the hunger and thirst of your soul, you must drink deeply of the living water. Water is refreshing, rejuvenating, and restores more than you can see and feel. Come and drink deeply the living water. You must eat the food of my presence. You must enter the Holy of Holies where you can encounter my presence. I have gained you direct access to the Father by way of the indwelling Holy Spirit. By my work on the cross, do not neglect this privilege. This is accomplished by you spending time with me. Consider John 17:3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To know someone is an intimate thing. To know of someone or someone implies a knowledge at a distance. It is not my desire for you to know me distantly or haphazardly or in a third-party sort of way through the work of a pastor or a preacher. You cannot know me without personally drawing close to me. It is through communion, steady communion with me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you will truly know me. And knowing leads to trusting, believing, and obeying, which are all fruits of the eternal life you now have. It's just like knowing anyone personally to trust someone. You need to spend time with them to learn who they are and if you can rely on them. One way to do that is by reading the Word of God with me so that I may show you what it really truly means. After some time, you'll start to feel safer and safer, and you tend to want to spend more time with me, and you come to trust me. You spend most of the time with the people that you like to be around, people who build you up, encourage you, and show you love. No one does that better than me. So the difference between knowing about the word in your head and surrendering it to your heart is clarified in James 2.19. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. The demons know who I am, of course, but they do not accept and surrender me and have no intimate relationship to me. This is an important distinction. Remember, I live in your heart, not in your head. So to connect with me, you must connect with the eyes and the ears of your heart.
and you must allow me to help you interpret the word so that you know who I am, what I've promised, what my nature and my character is. What is the intention I had in the word when it was written? Do you see the difference? To keep God at a distance is to know about him and to do things for him. But to invite him to speak into your life is to be with him and read the word with him. So let's get back to that four-letter word with. How do you read the word with God? Well, that's kind of the point of the Experience Jesus podcast to teach you how easy it is to personally encounter God using dialogue journaling. Your imagination was given so that your spirit can use the senses of your heart to see and hear God. You need only to surrender the eyes and ears of your heart, your imagination, and welcome the Lord to take it over. The entire Bible was written by the Holy Spirit, inspiring approximately 40 writers of the Bible over an approximate 4,000 years of time. But the Bible is really one long love story. Theologians have calculated that there are about 2,500 prophecies in the Bible, of which 2,000 are already fulfilled, and Jesus personally fulfilling over 300 of them. The rest are yet to come, and many are happening right before our eyes. The whole Bible was written using the same method we teach here at the Experience Jesus podcast, the dialogue journey method. Two-thirds of the Bible were given to people by God speaking to prophets and telling them to write it down, and one-third of the Bible was given by God giving dreams and visions and telling people to write them down. Our foundational verse that we use uh, in dialogue journaling is Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2. Habakkuk was a prophet at the very beginning of the 70-year exile of Israel by the Babylonians, and Habakkuk was wondering what was going on. So he says in Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart. And I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. So here we actually see the four keys to hearing God's voice. And the first key is to quiet yourself down. And we see that he stood on a guard post and stationed himself on the rampart. He was looking, he went to a high tower, and he was getting in a quiet place. The next verse says, I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. He is seeking to speak only with God, right? So he was using the eyes and the ears of his heart, he said, I will keep watch to see what God will speak to me. He was not expecting to talk to anyone else except God, and he knew he was both going to hear and see from the Lord, and how he may reply when I'm reproved. Habakkuk knew that he was going to be able to have a conversation with God, he knew that he'd be able to hear and see, but that he would also be able to 
ask him questions and get some answers, which is his whole point to being up there. He wanted to get some answers from God directly. Then the Lord answered me and said, God did reply personally. So the second key, the first key was quiet yourself. And, it, and the second key was expect and fix your eyes only on God. So we like to fix our eyes on Jesus because he's a man, but we fix our eyes on Jesus. And then the third was to expect to receive a message. So that happens spontaneously. It could be pictures, words, images, thoughts, music, but it's going to come spontaneously because you asked. Then the last verse says, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets. This was God's direction that the one who reads it may run. So the Lord is instructing Habakkuk, write this down because this isn't just for you. It's for other people. And we want to write it down, even if it is just for us, because we don't want to forget it. So the fourth key is to write it down. So the first is to quiet yourself down. The second is to fix your eyes and expect only to hear from Jesus. The third is to receive spontaneous messages from God in the form of words, pictures, music, thoughts, um, feelings, emotions. It can come in all those different ways and then write it down. That's the four keys. So the spirit part of you is the part of you that is actually connecting with God. The spirit part of you is the part of you that was created for that purpose. You must allow the spirit part of you to invite Jesus by imagining him with you. This is very important because you think you are connecting, if you think you're connecting with him with your body or your soul, you can get in your own way. You'll say, oh, I don't have the concentration or it's, you know, my memory isn't good. God can speak to someone in a coma that has no brain activity because the spirit is is wide awake. So you need to understand that you need to allow the spirit part of you to connect with God. And we're going to talk about what that is in a second, but you're really encountering the Trinity. The Father is the source of the will. Jesus is the way and the word and the truth. And it is easier to imagine Jesus because he was a man on earth, but you're really connecting with the three-part being. You are also a three-part being. You are a body, a soul, and a spirit, but we picture each other in our bodily form. So that's why it's easier for us to imagine Jesus when we're connecting. The Holy Spirit is a, he's described as a power source, essentially, and he's described as a dove. So it's harder to imagine him as a person, but he is a person. And you can imagine the Father. It's okay to imagine the Father as well. But know that you're actually encountering all three when you connect with the Lord in this way. Jesus' finished work on the cross gained you the direct access to the Father when he broke the curse brought on by Adam and Eve at the fall. Believers have the indwelling Holy Spirit as the seed in their hearts that is activated by your desire to grow closer to the Lord and bring to life the manifestation gifts that he's brought with him. 
When you have conversations and adventures with Jesus, they are real spiritual experiences, not figments of your imagination. In 1 Kings 3, 5-15, we see the recounting of Solomon's dream encounter with God, where God asks him what he wants, and Solomon asks for wisdom to govern the people. God answered that prayer and added wealth to his answer. It is the surrendering of your imagination that awakens your spirit and invites the Lord. You can get wisdom, guidance, warnings, healing, deliverance by these spiritual encounters with God while waking and while sleeping. The Lord speaks in your language, not just English or Russian, but in your language. He will use sports, animals, math, science, art, whatever you like to understand the Word of God. You can use it to help you understand the Word related to your life, your challenges. The parables were stories of biblical truth spoken to the people in that time and in that culture. The people of that day were surrounded by vineyards, sheep, wheat fields, wells, fishing, etc. As you read the word, pray and invite Jesus to read it with you. See him in your mind's eye with you. Ask him to take you to translate the Bible into your language for your circumstance in that moment. Here's an example of how the Lord brought the scripture of John 15, 4 to 5, alive for me. As it relates to the anointing or God's supernatural power that he gives believers to do whatever it is that he's called them to do. John 15, 4 and 5 states, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I asked the Lord to give me a metaphor to help better understand the anointing. And he gave me an image first of electricity and then of the flux capacitor from the Back to the Future movies. The Lord explained Products created to be plugged into electricity have the ability to perform as created and designed. Those same things unplugged will lay dormant and are impotent to accomplish what they were created for. Abiding in me leads to increased levels of anointing. When you learn to trust me by staying plugged into my presence, I will reveal more and more to you, and then I will begin to trust you with increasing levels of my power. Like electricity, the anointing is a material substance that can be stored, increased, and used for powerful impact. Well, that's a great analogy, Lord. I can see that if I'm unplugged from your power source, it would be useless to accomplish anything of any value and I'd be missing untold blessings. Yes, Jesus said, confirming. Next, the Lord showed me the image of the flux capacitor from the Back to the Future movies. I laughed out loud. I don't know why, but it was weird to me that the Lord would bring such a random image from a movie to my mind. 
I looked up the words flux and capacitor in the dictionary. Flux means a continuous flow or movement, and capacitor means electricity, a device for accumulating and holding a charge of electricity. In the movie, the flux capacitor was the power source for allowing time travel to happen. It was a Y-shaped pulsing electrical flow with each point flowing back and forth with energy into the center. This reminded me of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit flowing anointing power into me when I tune into the flow of the Holy Spirit. See the energy movement of the flux capacitor. Energy from the Godhead flows to you and empowers you when you are plugged into the power source. You have the privilege of being connected to the energy and the wisdom and the power of God's perfect will stay plugged in. The Lord continued, The source of my power is endless and always available. Learn to stay plugged into it at all times so you don't miss a single blessing. The more energy you get from me, the more you will reflect me to those who I have given you to serve. You were created in my image to reflect my image to the world. This is what you can do when you're plugged in. So reading the word of God with God helps you stay plugged in to the energy source, connecting you with his mind, will, and emotion so that you can understand the word completely as designed. I asked, what is lost when I am not plugged in? The Lord said, you stay plugged in by keeping your eyes fixed on me and keeping me front of mind, including me in all things at all times. This is accomplished by creating holy habits of being in the word of God with me, praising, worshiping, surrendering areas of your life to me and allowing my power to transform you into my likeness. But when you pull away from me, you pull the plug and disconnect from my power source. Just like an object that relies on electricity to function, you are dead, impotent to your effectiveness. Don't let this happen because it leaves you vulnerable to the enemy and keeps you from accomplishing what I desire. So you cannot properly understand the word of God apart from God, and you never were expected to. So I said, wow, so that's like quenching or grieving the spirit when we stay unplugged. And he said, yes, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 warns, do not quench the spirit. When we turn our backs on God and don't include him, ignore him, forget to seek his face in any way, we quench the spirit and essentially pull the plug on the anointing of God, his power source. Additionally, Ephesians 4.30 reminds us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. These verses remind me that there is a direct connection between behaviors and attitudes that quench the spirit and grieve the spirit. These are consequences of being unplugged. Seek me, he continued. Remain connected to me at all times. Quenching me is like putting out the fire. Disconnecting me grieves me. Your fruit will reveal whether you are connected or disconnected from me. First John 
As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, it is true and not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. Another wonderful practice that will make you fall in love with the word is what I like to call the jump into a Bible story adventure. Dr. Mark Verkler in the first class I took at Christian Leadership University gave us a journal prompt to jump into the Bible story of the woman at the well and have Jesus talk to us about what he sees and knows about us and why he wants us to draw near to him and drink of the living water. I love this exercise, so I took it and ran with it. Maybe because I'm a sucker for time travel movies, which is why the Lord gave me the flux capacitor metaphor. I've had dozens of Bible experiences and thankfully have recorded them in my journals. If you don't write it down, you will forget. I had to be reminded that I watched David write a psalm and Jesus taught me a three-part prayer model by observing David's process. Someone had shared with me that I had shared that with them months before and I had forgotten about it, but I was able to find it in one of my journals, and then I included it in one of my books. If there's a Bible story you would love to experience or really just get more insights about, ask the Lord to take you there. He can have you experience it either as yourself, looking in from the outside and answer all of your questions about what was going on in the scene, or he can have you experience the story from the perspective of a key player in the story. He knows what you need to learn, so he will choose the way in which he would have you experience the Bible story. I did want to share one unforgettable story that one of my students received when jumping into a Bible story about the mustard seed from Matthew chapter 13. He saw himself walking on the road with the disciples and Jesus, mountains in the distance, trees lining the road. Jesus bent down, picked up a mustard seed, and spoke the lesson about faith being as small as a mustard seed um, that would have you be able to move mountains. But in this vision, he didn't stop there. He asked the group, but why do you think this little seed becomes a great tree? And the disciples asked, why, Lord? It simply obeys the voice of its creator and becomes what it was designed to become. Seeds hold the fullness of the capability and only needs the proper environment to become its designed purpose. The same is true for you. If you only include the Lord and read the word with him, he will bring it to life and transform you one day at a time. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. In today's encounter, we're going to jump into the parable of the soils, Matthew 13, 1 through 17. 
So I want you to pull out your Bibles and I want you to meditate on the scripture with Jesus, picture him with you, see him there. Then I want you to allow the Lord to talk to you about what type of soil you are and what would be required for you to be the good soil. If you're already the good soil, allow him to show you what fruit bearing looks like because you have the proper heart posture. So take some time, allow the Lord to be as creative as possible. Make sure you continue to ask him as many questions that are on your heart about it and really allow him to show you what the truth of that parable means in your life right now in this amazing season of the great harvest. Take all the time you need and record it all in your journal. I hope you enjoyed that Bible adventure and that you learned some things from the Lord directly about how to apply it to your life and circumstance. And I pray that the conversation actually tilled the soil of your heart and helped you to understand the importance of allowing the Lord to interpret the word and do things with him and not for him. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.